And the most important thing I learned for filmmaking is like you're painting, it just looks like a mess. It's never gonna be anything. And then all of a sudden like, oh, it turns into this, it starts to turn into something. And I think, uh, I think of that a lot with filmmaking that you have to have this kind of blind faith that you're just in a mess. It all looks like a mess and it never looks like it's ever gonna come together, but then somehow it does. Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. Today's episode takes us behind the scenes of director Sofia Coppola's new comedic drama, On the Rocks. In the film, a young mother reconnects with her larger-than-life playboy father on an adventure through New York. In addition to On the Rocks, Ms. Coppola's directorial credits include the feature films The Beguiled, The Bling Ring, Somewhere, and Marie Antoinette. She is a two-time DGA Award nominee, having earned nods in the Variety Specials category for 2015's A Very Merry Christmas, and in the Feature Film category for 2003's Lost in Translation. Ms. Coppola spoke with director Alexander Payne about filming on the rocks in front of a virtual audience. Listen on for their spoiler-filled conversation. All right. Hi, everybody. I'm Alexander, and this is... Sophia, hello. Hi, hi, hi. And we're going to talk about her wonderful movie, uh, On the Rocks. So forgive me, I wrote, took the liberty of writing it, just a couple notes by way of introduction. Uh, there's so much I like about this movie. First, of course, the casting, the, this magnificent vehicle for Bill Murray and Rashida Jones. Uh, each lights up the screen on his or her own, but their chemistry together is pretty unbeatable. The press notes for the film mention William Powell and Myrna Loy as possible influences, you know, Nick and Nora Charles. I could throw in Woody Allen and Diane Keaton, you know, as like a dynamic, seductive, hilarious uh, duo in New York on a quest. But uh, they make for such a good, relaxed team. And I hope, I liked looking at them so much, Sophia, that I hope you can think of another vehicle for them, for Laura and Felix. I would like to see them in that. I'd like to see them in another movie. And all your casting is so in the, good. Oh, in the, in the, cause it was inspired by the thin man. We were always joking about the sequel would be make it a double. We had, we, we kept thinking of a, a whole series, but. It'd be great. That would be great. But half, half joking. Uh, Thank you though. I know it's so fun to watch them for me. They're just great. But all your casting is so good from uh, Jenny Slate, who's hilarious. And uh, the, whoever was playing the cop, and of course Marlon Wayans, everybody. Uh, but it's Bill Murray, though, who you know is our national treasure, and the way you and your DP shoot him, and the yeah. dialogue you give him, and it was just looking at his face at this point in his life was like such a gift, and and I don't know. And your story, your plot is so oh, simple yeah. and re revealing. Robert Altman used to say that. He preferred very simple and clear plots so he could be free to make a painting. And the painting you've made is a, a beautiful portrait of New York City, a portrait of a young middle-aged wife and mother and professional woman's crisis with men and with herself. And is always a portrait of your own personal experience, you know, elements, however, direct or indirect of where you currently find yourself in life. And all done with uh, a very winning combination of gentleness and charm and humor. And what starts out as a woman in crisis film becomes a love story. 
and ends with her kind of where she wants to be, which is in love with, at least in this aspect of her life, in love with the two principal men in her life, her, her husband and her dad. And uh, one thing I like stylistically about this in all your films is your elegant and unfussy visual style. I remember, you know, you and I did a DGA talk around somewhere and we were talking about coverage and you were like, uh, you know, traditional coverage is like doing an algebra, having to do an algebra problem in your brain, you know? So it's like, how can you just short circuit it and do it in really beautiful, you know, waters as much as possible, but whatever your coverage is, just keep it simple. And you did that. And, you know, uh, production design wise, working with Ann Ross, whom you've always worked with, the picture looks great and the sounds great. And it's just all elegant. So, uh, where do you, you want to start? A great team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you do. You do. So where do you want to start? Mm -hmm. Talk yeah, about I... your influences, you know, you're wanting to shoot in New York or, or to make a film which is, uh, at least on the surface, more ostensibly autobiographical. You know, professional woman in her 40s living in lower Manhattan, uh, balancing kids, career, family, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think the starting point was just the conversation between the, this character and this Felix character who was a combination of things from my dad and friends of his and characters I've met. And so just kind of quotes I've heard. And I was just thinking a lot about this kind of cross-generational conversation between men of that era and, and women and, and the idea of having a grown daughter. Um, and, uh, and I remember being in my early 20s and having, going out and having a martini with my dad and talking about, you know, like there's some guy that I liked, it was hot and cold. And he was like, let me tell you from a man's point of view. And I just, so that always stayed in my mind of um, just how, how, how funny that conversation can be and tender between uh, a father and a grown daughter and, and looking at relationships and, and how you, know, you have your own family, you tend to look at the film that you came from and try to understand that and where you're going. So that was sort of the, the starting point. And then I've been living in New York. So wanting to do something in New York and um, you know, because that's what I'm seeing around me and having little kids and going to school, which is like a whole new universe that, uh, you know, like as a foreigner, you have to navigate. And so, so trying to put things um, for my life, but then I also wanted to make something that was hopefully fun and playful and lighter. Cause I just feel like, um, I don't know, just in the mood, I mean, because things have been darker the last few years, just in the world that wanting something that was a little bit of a, an escape, but still um, had, had some depth to it. Yeah. And, and thinking about the charm of those movies, like the thin man and the classic comedies, like, could I do something um, that incorporated what I was thinking about, but also in a fun way. And I, and I miss those kind of sophisticated comedies that we all love of, you know, the great Woody Allen movies and Tootsie and this kind of New York sophisticated movie. We don't have them. It's a big loss. I mean, and I, I don't keep up with everything on Netflix yeah. and Apple and all the streaming stuff. Maybe there's some good stuff there I'm missing, but yeah, you know, you see Tootsie or Groundhog Day or you know, Paper Moon, uh, things we had in the 70s and 80s. And they're, they're, they're an intelligent, you know, Jim Brooks movies, intelligent oh. comedies with depth. And it's a big... Yeah, it's a big gap for us right now. Okay. Yes, yeah, so I was missing missing those, and um, and I love a lowbrow comedy, but that's a whole other other thing. I wanted, yeah, to so to try to 
make a stack. When I started, I was like, I'm making, I'm trying to make a romantic comedy. And then I was working on it. I was like, it's not romantic. It's not comedic. And, and just kind of finding my way. And, um, and also I'm not used to having a plot that <laughs> like plots are not my strong point. Um, so, so trying to have just a simple one that I could kind of have a little bit of a mystery I was trying to do. And um, whenever I was stuck, my brother Roman, who, you know, was, um, was very helpful to, me figure it out and talk about it and um and yeah and I just I kind of based it around these conversations between Bill and Rashida and wanted to and film the, it and with the husband was there any particular influence there no I mean I think those old classic comedies a lot of them like uh, the awful truth or my favorite wife they a lot of them hinge on the idea of infidelity it just and I um so I was thinking about how it's it's really between the father and the daughter, but trying that he was up to something gave them an excuse for the dad to put doubt in her mind and, and, and get to spend time with her and go on this adventure. And I was really grateful when I, Fred Bruce, my um, producer and great casting legend mentioned Marlon. Um, and I was so glad that he mentioned him and I met him and he was so charming. And it's one of those characters that I wasn't as focused on when I was writing it. So it could have been like, oh, the the generic husband character. You know, they have in movies that happen sometimes. I and I was so we were talking, somehow what? we talked back then, and you were asking around for suggestions about who could play. I don't know if it came through our mutual friend Jim or something, but yeah. it took you a minute to find, I think, the right actor. Yeah, that wasn't as clear to me. But then when I met Marlon, I was so glad because he was so um, he's so charming and lovable, and I thought, oh, he could really. Make the, you have to care about that character, even though he doesn't have the biggest part in it. If, if you don't care about their relationship, then it, then the story doesn't work. And so Marlon just brought so much to it. And and that's, um, yeah, that's a great thing is that I didn't, that character wasn't so fleshed out on the page, but I but I knew that he would bring um, a lot of life to it. And then we rehearsed a lot. Well, I spent time with Rashida and Marlon and those kids. They spent time and did stuff as a family so that when we were filming, they they knew each other and the kids felt comfortable with them. And luckily they're so good with kids. <laughs> and did you write it? I'm assuming the answer is yes, but did you write with Rashida and Bill in mind? I did. At the beginning I was resisting uh, thinking of Bill because I thought I was nervous about working with him again. And um, just, just because I, you know, people have loved him in, in Lost in Translation. I didn't, and I didn't feel like I could top that. I'm not trying to, but I just didn't want to disappoint. And I, I don't know, I felt nervous, but then, I got over it and he's at a different stage and I've never seen him as a dad. And, and I just, he's just, like you said, such a national treasure that I wanted to um, get to work with him. And, and I remember I did something short with the two of them. We did a Christmas special yeah. and they had a scene together and I always thought, Oh, they're, I, I love them together. I'd love to do something with the two of them. And um, so it was really, it was really fun to work with the two. So of them. you had had Rashida in mind from the get go. Yeah, I was thinking, yeah, it always helps it helps me to picture actors when I'm writing uh -huh. it. And I um and I and I just thought she, yeah, her comedic timing and and also she's so smart and has and to show more of a sensitive side that we don't see as much with her, I thought would be interesting, but mostly because they have such a good rapport together. And it all it all relied on that. Please give us more. Give us another one. Oh, or, or I'll do it. I'll steal them. Uh, <laughs> But also Bill Murray at this time in his life is so, I don't know exactly how old he is, I'm guessing around 70 or something, but he's just like beautiful. Yeah, he was so, it was so fun to see him show up on set in his elegant suits and 
and just, um, yeah, he, he has such a great face. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what was it like shooting in New York? Was it hard or easy? It was harder than I expected. It was fun, but it was it was hard, like just being on the street and being, you know, getting shut down, all the limitations and moving around and losing locations and permits. And like that was really, I thought it was going to be oh, pretty simple. It's not an ambitious shoot, but it was, yeah. it was really, um, yeah, it was complicated shooting in New York. And I'm glad we got to really shoot in New York because it is such a character in the movie and, and that places like 21 and the Carlisle let us film there and, and just, you know, on the streets. Um, yeah, I was, I was glad. And luckily right before the world shut down. When did, I, when did you shoot? So this is a DGA discussion. So we asked things like when, when, did, when did you shoot and how many days did you have? Um, we shot in the summer of 19, the previous last, not what? this uh-huh. summer, the one before. Um, and I think it was around 30 days. I think my movies are always around 30 days or yeah. 28 to 30 days. I try to keep them as small and the budget as low as possible to have the most creative control. And it always feels like, um, yeah, it always feels like you're just, we're trying to scrape by even though, um, yeah, it was, and it's expensive to shoot in New York. And we shot, um, a few a small section on on a stage because to shoot in New York to get the tax incentive you have to shoot I think 20 percent should be more technical because it's the DGA um but um yeah so but yeah we shot around New York and um a little bit Mexico a little bit oh yeah yeah but that was like three days or something in Mexico which um yeah I wanted it that to be such a contrast to the city. And I thought, oh, it'd be fun. We'll shoot in this beautiful resort. It's called Las Ventanas. I recommend it if anyone is traveling anytime soon. But, um, but it seemed fun, like, oh, we'll shoot in Mexico. But then you're there shooting at night, um, you know, with like cables everywhere. And it's not um, really like being in a resort, but um, it, was a, it was always an adventure, a fun adventure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, talk about working with Ann Ross, your production designer. You guys yeah. go way back. I've had the privilege of working with her once on a commercial. You know, oh yeah, so yeah, I love working. What like what were your um, discussions about uh, colors or visual patterns or or anything that you were? Yeah, I'm trying to think where the starting point is. Usually, um, I put ref, I put images together when I'm writing it, and then the first thing is looking through those. This one because it's contemporary New York. Um, we spent a lot of time before just talking about kind of the feeling and the look of it. And then she started putting uh, images together and it was sort of, we wanted it to be, you know, a little aspirational and romantic idea of New York, but still rooted enough in reality that you could relate to it, but it could be a little nicer. Like her apartment's a little of a fantasy version of what her apartment would be. And, and everything's a little bit like a movie version, but hopefully, um, realistic and naturalistic enough. Cause I always wanted to feel relate- relatable or yeah, yeah. You know, feel naturalistic. Um, and then we just you know, put together, but yeah, she, I, it's great. I love working with um, my team. We, I mean, Anna and I've been friends since I was like 20 and we were, we were intern, we were working on a super low budget movie together. You guys go back to Napa together, do you not? And we were, she's from, she's from New York. So she, it was nice because she's such a New Yorker that she knew all these kind of details of the Sherry Netherland apartment that they go to the art dealer and she just gets it. But we have a shorthand, which is really nice. And I feel like that with a lot of my team, but we, yeah, we worked on a low budget movie that Lucas Reiner directed called The Spirit of 76 that Roman, my brother produced in like 1990. 
and I did the costumes and she worked in the art department and, um, and, and yeah, so we always, we, we always talk, we spend a lot of time, I guess, like most people <laughs> before shooting where we look at references together and kind of start to, to feel our world and make boards that we can share with the costume and cinematographer. So we're all on the same page. And, all, and there was a lot of um, like Laura, Rashida's character, her evolving, she's drab at the beginning and then by the end, she's kind of, her characters come back to life. So the, the clothes have more color. And in Mexico, she's in that bright yellow dress from, um, Anne had a reference of, I think it was from Contempt of Bardot in a yellow dress. And, and that stuck, st- st- stayed in my mind. So that shot of her kind of waking up in the morning in Mexico in her yellow dress um, comes from that. And, um, yeah, so Anne always has great references and um, and it helps uh, unite with um, costume. Stacy Patat did the costumes and she's really great at doing contemporary in a way that um, that feels the characters, it shows the characters, but also something that you want, a little better than real life, like you want to look like that. And, um, and then working with Philippe Lesseur, the cinematographer um, who I love working with, we all, you know, yeah, I guess like uh, any movie, you sit down and work together so that all the, these themes are, are united. We're all no, yeah, on the same page. This is because, you know, you, you worked with Lance Accord before you worked with uh, Hari Savidis, and this is your second or third film with uh, Philippe? Uh, second, I think. Yeah, Harris introduced me to Philippe, and um, oh. I know all directors love their cinematographers, but it's such, I'm such a photography fan, so I love all the photographers I've gotten to work with. And, um, and it's, you know, that's such an exciting part to have someone help you find the, the look of it. Yeah, yeah. And shot on film? Yeah, we shot on film, which is exciting. And um, we had a few, yeah. I, I, um, I was thinking we were like on roofs getting those cityscapes, which I love. And, um, and it was, I think it was, it was challenging. We were talking a lot about how do we shoot New York and not have it look like a fake Woody Allen movie and how do we how do I do it in my own style but still looking back at films from the past without you know so being sentimental but not being too missed out retro or something. So what with that in mind what what sort of uh, uh, challenges did you give yourself or what were what was the answer to sort of make it your New York in a way? I think we just have found it as we went along and, um, but it was tricky. We didn't know exactly at the beginning, but then you start to be informed by the locations and, and the, the look of it. And I wanted it to have, um, you know, there's something about Felix's world that was very, you know, inviting and this kind of warm lighting and that you just want to be there and the, and the colors and everything has a, um, just a kind of inviting romantic tone. So I think we, kept this in mind there's kind of his, there's a contrast of his uptown world with her downtown world which is there's also construction and uh-huh. noise and and then you get when she, when she gets whisked away in his car then it's um you know that kind of these low light of of these restaurants and bars and in his yeah. world cool and, and beauty uh, lighting beauty lighting for bill okay. and beauty lighting yeah. <laughs> for both of them it worked it worked well <laughs> Uh, and then in post, you and Sarah Flack, another longtime collaborator. Um, any discoveries there? Or what What was that? Was it a long yeah. editing? Uh, you know, what was that like? And and yeah. and the music too. Did you know from the get go who was going to do the music? Yeah, I um I always loved working with Sarah Flack, and um 
we cut at a place called Harbor in downtown New York. It's, um, and uh, we've worked together since my second movie. I love working with her. It was, it was harder to edit than I think either of us expected. I, I've never written so much dialogue before. We had these like pages of like eight pages of dialogue of them at the restaurant, some of, you know, some of the restaurants. And it was really um, a lot for, to find the scenes and the edit between all of Bill's great options and performance. And, and then the scenes were, were felt like they were too long, but I was like, let's just, I couldn't, I couldn't see how to edit them on the page. I said, let's just film them and then we can cut out what doesn't work. But so a lot of these scenes of just the two of them talking went on and on and on, and we had to um, cut them back. And so just finding, finding that and finding the comedic timing between them um, was a lot more challenging than I've never done anything like that. Cause we don't usually, I don't usually sit in scenes and talk for that for that long. So, so Sarah really helped me through that. And it just even like when it comes to pick her up in the red alpha, maybe because I'm not, we're not traditional comedy people. I was like, is it funnier to see her, see him first? Or was it funny for us to see him first? And we went back and forth, back and forth. Like, how do we make that um, as funny as we we could? So, um, so there was just a lot of, and, 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 sh and, and shifting tones because in Mexico, there's a scene where he's talking about um, the loss of his, one of his girlfriends and how that moved him and, and, and Bill was so heartfelt and to me it's a touching moment. And then the next scene is them in like su super silly spying and I'm hiding in bushes and like how to yeah. make that tone shift. Um, so that was, yeah, all that kind of stuff in the edit, it, it, help, it helped have a great editor, but it's hard to kind of find that way to have, have enough pause that you can shift tone and, and all that. All that kind of stuff. It all works. It works oh, I'm great. so glad. Yeah. So glad. It's so yeah, it's always hard to tell, but I I'm glad, and I um, and for the music, I was listening to Chet Baker when I was writing and thinking uh -huh. of feeling the world, and I wasn't sure what the rest of it should be, but um, luckily my husband Taman, his band Phoenix, um, wrote some music for us and and helped me find pieces, and so they helped a lot. So that was nice to have to have them. They wrote a new song for the ending, which when we got that in the edit room, it was like oh, it just lifts the mood up, which we, which we want, needed right there. You mean for the, for the end credits? At the very end. Yeah. The last, the yeah. last piece. I wanted it to be you know, uplifting at the end and have a positive feeling. So, but I try to, I try to not, I try to cut without music as much as we can. Cause it always makes the scene better. And Richard Beggs and I are, are um, my great sound designer, Richard Beggs, um, who, um, yeah, who I've, I've known since yeah, for, forever. Um, he and I always talk about how you got to make it to how, how much that helps. So to try to make it work without music and then it's just like icing on the cake. And cool. uh, yeah. really luckily we finished right before we finished our sound mix in March, right before everything shut down. So I felt lucky that um, we were able to finish. I really feel for all the productions of people who were having to, try to figure out, I can't imagine being halfway through your shoot and having to go back and try to figure it out. So, which luckily people did, but. Yeah, I'm so jealous of our filmmaking colleagues who squeezed one in right before the plague. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, I feel like I. And are you writing now? I, I think you're gonna do, uh, you've got a TV series cut or, or limited series, whatever you call it, uh, Custom of the Country. You just, All the mini series. <laughs> I yeah, still think- Whatever the right term is. No, 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 they, you know, I guess, I guess it's limited. I, yeah, I'm adapting um, this Edith Wharton book that I love, The Custom of the Country, which 
which was originally written in five parts for it was serialized in a magazine. So I thought, oh, it really lends itself to be done in five parts. So I've never done anything that long and in different sections. Um, so it's been it's been great to have a writing project during um, while being stuck at home to yeah to, to get to engage my brain in another era. It's all set in you know kind of early, um, early 1900s New York and Europe. So it's been really fun to think about that and oh, cool enjoy her writing and what I think I love when you're adapting something because you get so you get to just be so into a book that you like and spend time with it that way yeah mm -hmm. uh have you done an adaptation before of a, of a book I'm trying to think Virgin Suicides was from oh, my yeah of course of course of course yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but um yeah I always find it uh I always find an original story so much harder because you have to kind of find your way and um, where adaptation is is a fun, um, as you know, fun. It's like a game puzzle to figure out. But you have yeah. something. You don't have as much self doubt and self hatred, I think, as what Jim, Jim uses the term scaffolding. At least you've got a little. You don't have the building, but you've got a little scaffolding. Yes, about Schmidt was from a book, wasn't it? Uh, I got to say, eighty-five percent was original. Oh, and wow. then, which was the first thing I wrote when I got out of film school. And then oh. we wound up, we were adapting that book and some narrative threads of the book allowed us to solve some problems I had not solved in the original. Oh, wow. It was kind of a, kind of a uh, hybrid, very much a hybrid of an adaptation and an original. Oh, wow. I didn't, so you, yeah. So you started that and then found the book later and then put it together. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, we've done a bunch of adaptations, election and yeah. um, sideways, and yeah, which is the best. Hey, uh, Matt, who's our DGA uh, uh, facilitator, said that maybe there were some questions from our viewers, uh, which were emailed to him. Matt, are you around? And did you? Uh, are there any questions you think you'd want to? Yeah, um, address. I'm, I'm here. I think. Uh, I think we may have covered a few of them, but okay. let's, go, ahead let's, read, go ahead and read some or that, that haven't been covered. Absolutely. Let me just pull it up real quick. Have you been watching lots of movies, catching up on old movies? Old ones. Yeah. 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 I, I'm a little, I'm very much behind on new movies, but I, yeah, I'm a Turner classics and criterion guy. Yes, I know. I know. You seen so anything? Well, while Matt's looking. Is there anything you'd want to recommend? Anything good you've seen lately? Just well, I mean, just for fun, I I just started watching the um, Fran Lebowitz, Marty Scorsese. Oh yeah, that's really fun. Mm -hmm. Another way to like be in New York when we can't travel. But we um, yeah, this summer <laughs> my dad programmed it. We had a whole film family film festival, so we watched a lot of great old films, and I. I think one of my favorites was Seven Samurai. I don't, I don't think I'd seen that maybe since I was a kid or something. And it really, um, that really impressed me. So beautiful. That's and, a movie. That's a real movie. I think is my favorite um, actor now. Mifune? Yes. <laughs> uh, let um, me recommend uh, Redbeard. Oh yeah, I've never seen Redbeard. That's, that's a really beautiful movie and a really great uh, Bifune performance. I mean, he was always good, but I really like him in Redbeard. Okay, I need to see that. Okay, I, I, have, I have one. I, I think you kind of touched on it a little bit. 
so Sophia, what was it like to work with Bill Murray again after a very successful film 17 years ago? Did you guys pick up where you left off? Oh, uh, nice. Well, um, it was great working with him, especially now. He, well, he's always so, he was always helpful, even from when I, in Lost in Translation, he was really helpful and like just getting, you know, kind of keeping the momentum going. And, um, but this especially because now I, I know him from after all these years and I, and so he, he trusts me in a way that then more than when I just first met him, although he was always open to listening to what I was trying to do. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, um, it was especially fun because he, we have a, yeah, just like this trust and he um, was there to help me try, try to, make what I had in mind and, um, and enjoyed working with Rashida. So it was always, it's always a pleasure. He's always, oh, sorry. He, um, he just always brings surprises. That's why I love working with him is you never know what he's going to add and, and, and something that you would never think of because he's such a unique person. And there's a scene where they're at the kind of art dealer, uh, art collectors cocktail party. And Bill came up with the idea that they sneak out walking backwards and, and it just makes it just always just makes more things more fun and brings magic. And then he can be really, you know, deep and heartfelt and and, and bring that as well. So um, that, that so. moment when he's telling uh, what he's telling his daughter about the, the lover he had after his wife who died. Did you know she died? Yeah, was very beautifully done. I watched that scene a couple of times, and and he oh. almost uh, cries for a moment. And, it's just so very good. Thank you. Yeah, well, thank you. When we were shooting that, I was really um, kind of stunned to see Bill show that side because you don't see it very often. He's always so kind of fun and playful. And then to see him go so deep about that. And I don't know, it was really, it was moving when we were filming it. Do you feel like when you're filming, you know when there's a moment that is has emotionally charged or something? Yes. Or do you find it, get it? Yeah, you feel it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you, so I you just pray. That the, you pray that the camera got what got you, what you just felt. Yeah, 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 yeah. I felt he was really talking about someone real in his life, and um, yeah. So you're always grateful for for these moments because I didn't want it to. I wanted it to be, you know, silly and comedic and fun, but then have hopefully have those kind of moments too. Yeah, the po poignancy makes it. And, and it's, I was thinking about when you're sorry. I was just saying it's great. No, but you need moments of poignancy and your, your movie has it. Yeah. Thank God. Well, thank you. you hope for that. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and I, I, I was thinking about moments. So there's been a few times, not often when my parents have like said something about themselves, not as parents, as people. And it's always strikes, strike, struck me as like, Oh yeah, they, they have a, they have a persona outside of just being your parents. Yeah. So I, I was hoping to capture a little bit of that, just all the dynamics. Of hey, speaking of uh, lovers in the movie, I liked, it was fun to see Kelly Lynch again. I hadn't, I, maybe she's uh, been acting a lot, but I, I personally hadn't yeah. seen her in a while. It was really groovy to see her. Yeah, she's so great. I, I love that she did that scene. Um, and, and she's friends with Bill, so they have a rapport. Yeah, they, oh, that's nice. It was fun to have her cameo. And I saw Mitch Blazer was on as a uh, as a producer too. Yeah, yeah. So Mitch and Kelly were there a little, where they were cheering us on. It's always important to have cheerleaders. And no, no, he he helped he helped so much with um, early stages of getting it together and 
and always um, hearing ideas early on, which is helpful to have those. I think it's so important to have those people that you that you trust to show things when they're not finished and get opinions and feedback. I'm sure we, we can't survive without them. Yeah, yeah. Matt, any other uh, uh, scintillating questions? Yeah, we, we just got another one that just came through. Um, can you talk more about the concept of mystery and how you kept that going in the rigorous work of shooting a film day by day? How would you interpret that? Do you think they mean like the plot mystery or the mystery of like the... No, I think... I, I don't know if there's a real answer to that other than that mystery is one of the great elements of film. Just things which are... Yeah. You know, not really explained or kind of poetic or, you know. The whole thing is a mystery to me of how they, how something turns into a film. I guess <clears> like <throat> that might not, I hope I'm, I'm sorry if I'm not answering the question, but there is a moment in the edit where you're just months and months of editing and, and then it's like, this is, is this ever going to feel like a movie? And then just mysteriously one day it starts to turn into a movie and you can't, you can't kind of see it coming. Then all of a sudden it sort of comes into focus. And I remember, I went to art school and I wanted to be a painter. And, and the, the most important thing I learned for filmmaking is like you're painting, it just looks like a mess. It's never gonna be anything. And then all of a sudden like, oh, it turns into this, it starts to turn into something. And I think uh, I think of that a lot with filmmaking that you have to have this kind of blind faith that you're just in a mess. It all looks like a mess and it never looks like it's ever gonna come together, but then somehow it does. So I think it, that helps having experience because you know, in the past, I think it's harder when you're starting to know that. To know that there's an end. Yeah, and to know that that yeah, even though it looks like a mess or looks like it's yeah not working, that that it it, it magically comes together when you have music and sound design. Yeah. Sound design is such a huge part of it for me. Um, that really, then it really comes to comes to life in a way that. Um, and you look at rough cuts and you look at them without the sound, and they're never very good. And you have to show people and get feedback. And then once you get a your sound design, you're like, oh my god, it's like. It's not terrible, you know, like it really is such a huge part of it. So it's hard to gauge when you're looking at rough cuts, I think, because yeah. the sound hasn't been done. That's not such a big part. Matt, should we do one more and then start to wrap it up? Yeah, let's, let's do one more. Um, is there a moment from the shoot being in New York that means more to you now because of the pandemic? Well, that's a nice that's a good, good. Yeah, you know, the whole thing means more to me. Like, I can't believe that we got to be running around New York together with people. And it really means so much to me that we got to shoot in New York. Um, so I, it's hard to think of one exact moment, but I just have really good memories of, of being, especially in Soho with Marlon and Rashida on the street and Bill and, and just that kind of thing with people walk by and be like, Marlon, Bill, like the, the, just the camaraderie of spirit in New York, how people treat each other like they all know each other. There's something nice about that. And um, and I, the scene where Bill and, um, sorry, where Rashida and Marlon are having like their makeup scene after she comes back from Mexico and they have this, they talk about their feelings. That was probably the hardest scene for me to shoot because it was like, I, I, I know more about how to do things where the feelings are under the surface, but like, how do you have that without being corny and feel real, but, people don't, aren't able to express themselves. And that, that was hard. And, and we, were, we were shooting on the sidewalk on like Wooster Street and we were about 
to, sh- to get shut down. They're like, okay, you have five minutes to shoot the scene and we're out there. I was trying to do it all in one. And I thought, no, we really need another. I told Philippe, the DP, we really need another shot because I, I, I might need to cut two takes together to, for that to be emotional because there were different tones and um, we were getting shut down and the, and the actors just rallied them. Um, Rashida and Marlon just were so focused and, and, and under all this pressure, they could really um, connect and be emotional. It was really, I was so appreciative, but one of those ones we were all holding your breath and we're about to get the, the plug pulled and, um, and maybe it's, maybe some of that energy kind of gets into what you're doing because you're all, um, you know, feeling that. But, um, we're under pressure. I always t- try to tell the actors, you know, we're losing light or we're under pressure, but just remember between action and cut, time stops. Yeah, it really does. It really, I think when you're, well, yeah, once you're in that zone, you forget everything else. And that's sort of the fun of it is you go into that, that zone. But, um, but yeah, I just, I was so glad that we got to, to shoot in New York and it's um, a good memory of all being there. Fantastic. Well, Sophia, thanks. And thanks for asking me to do this. It's great to have some time with you. And I guess let's thank all of our viewers and listeners. Oh, nice to see you. Happy yeah, New thank Year. Thank you. I hope everyone's safe and fine and watching good movies at home. Yeah, yeah. All right. Bye-bye now. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. If you'd like to hear more, The Director's Cut is available wherever you list podcasts. Stay tuned in the coming weeks as we bring you discussions of films from Jason Walliner, Spike Lee, and Regina King. And be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow film buffs find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally. <laughs>